Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and joining me as ever is Kelsey Zeiser, my colleague at Light Reading. Hello, Kelsey. Hello, Phil. Guess what? Uh, what? <laughs> I've run out of ways to start the podcast. No, Halloween's sorry. coming up. <laughs> well, we want to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, we want to do it current to the calendar, right? Yeah. yeah. Halloween is coming up uh, when we're recording this. And uh, and we're actually getting fall weather in Texas, which is nice. Um, uh, so it's a you know, low 80s, I guess. <laughs> True um, to um, North Carolinian form. Our weather is all over the map. It's oh, like you thought fall good. was here. Just kidding. It's summer. Nope. It's fall again. No, yeah, you're still, in, you know, Seattle. Starting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we were just at the uh, Mobile World Congress in Los Angeles, and one of the biggest uh, complaints from people there, um, everybody thought that L.A. was going to be cool, comfortable California, L.A., and mm-hmm. it wasn't. It oh, was, no. It was absolutely scorching the entire time. Um, in, do you in think the all the fires have anything to do with that? No, I, I just think, think the, the general, you know, desert climate you know they just it's it just having a later and warmer summer than usual mm-hmm. um, uh, the the fires did have uh, to do with uh, some sort of colorful morning smog and different different uh, mm, uh, different vantage points yeah it didn't really affect the downtown part of the city but if you were up on a building or you were up high and you could kind of see out again you know it's deserts so it's mostly mostly flat in that area uh, right around the downtown area and you could see sort of the sky changing interesting colors uh but yeah it's kind of really concerning because there was a lot of wind and weather advisories as as, as people were leaving um, uh, los angeles and hopefully things will be uh, uh a bit more clear when we turn around and head back to la in a couple of months uh for uh, uh mef 19 or mef 19 i'm not sure if they pronounce it all together or not yeah i've heard um, it i've heard it both ways but uh, enough of all that. Uh, I only bring up going back to L.A. because our guest uh, today, the CEO of Nuage Networks, Sunil Kandakar. Is that correct, Sunil? That's right. It was, okay. I'm sorry. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that your name is hard. It's that I am pretty dense and uh, pronouncing names is kind of my kryptonite. Um, but uh, you're going to be at the, uh, uh, the November MEF event uh, as well, right? That's right. Looking forward okay. to it. Great. Yeah. So, and, and I, you know, this is interesting that you're on the program now because we're, we're going to be, um, we may or may not be releasing this uh, before MEF 19. I think we might be releasing it the week of, but the, uh, the show itself is going to discuss a lot of the topics that we're uh, going to dig into today. Um, so I know uh, Nuage Networks, um, kind of exists to you know the 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 most basic distillation distillation of what you do is you exist to connect users to applications right you got it phil um yes indeed nuage's mission um since its inception has been um to really uh, connect users business users specifically to their applications in any cloud securely Mm, okay, so then you added a couple of things to that 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 make that's where the difficulty comes in uh, to any cloud and securely. <laughs> um, so in that process, of course, several parts of the network need to be uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, overhauled, but really um, automated. Um, and then um, you know the, the you know different different parts of the the network uh, 
don't marry up well to when certain applications were created. So that causes all kinds of problems. And um, fortunately, software-defined networking has come about as a um, as a way of dealing with some of this stuff. Um, so let's let's get right to, I guess, our, our uh, the the first question we uh, wanted to dig into is um, so if you're going to be at at, at MEF nineteen, um, we're going you know a big part of the discussion there is going to be SD WAN and SD WAN standards and whether um, and what those you know what a standardized version of SD WAN is supposed to look like. Um, so what role is your company playing in in working with uh, the uh, MEF in helping to develop an SD-WAN standard? Yeah. Um, so Nuage has um, a long history um, of contributing to MEF standards um, back uh, to early 2000s when we were very heavily involved. I myself was in the definition of Ethernet services. Uh, we were the ones that uh, contributed in the ITF uh, specifically on the VPLS standards, uh, and then also contributed in the MEF uh, for definitions of Ethernet services, the QoS, and such. So in the current context, we have actively contributed to uh, MEF 70 standard, and now are engaged in uh, MEF 88, which is uh, all about um, software-defined security. but software-defined WAN conformance testing and multi-vendor POCs are another activity that are also quite important, and we are engaged in that. Um, at the end of the day, it is critically important that the service definition of SD-WAN truly meets with the objective of the network automation. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, uh, it does it in a way where it adheres to the SDN framework, if you will, which is abstraction of network capabilities um, to allow for zero-touch provisioning uh, on a uniform off-the-shelf x86 branch devices rather than proprietary branch devices. So Mm -hmm. when done right, these things can deliver truly network automation and internal agility that enterprises care about. So what are some other reasons why standards are important or necessary for SD-WAN? And in addition, are there some challenges since SD-WAN is more of a feature set rather than a specific piece of hardware? Yeah, the great question, Kelsey. So um, look, I think um, standards are important in general um, for a few things. One, in this particular context, I would say... um, it helps enterprises have a better understanding of what they're buying mm-hmm. and how to evaluate uh, solutions um, very, a, you know, in an easier way. It helps um, service providers who are providing these um, services based on these solutions to build uh, and integrate, um, you know, sort of the back office systems, if you will. Uh, and then it allows and facilitates a multi-vendor um, SD-WAN in other words, it allows for enterprises to select best of breed mm-hmm. and the multi-vendor aspect, you're already seeing it, for example, in service chaining, um, which is part of SD-WAN where you service chain a firewall um, within the SD-WAN service and without standards definition, it becomes a every time bespoke implementation. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So, so partly is, um, you know, those partnerships with um, security vendors, like, you know, we hear a lot about Palo Alto and um, Zscaler and Fortinet. It seems like a lot of SCWAN vendors have um, partnered with security companies like that. And then you also mentioned um, the enterprise aspect, which does seem really important since there are quite a few um, SD-WAN vendors that are still available on the market. And that's a lot for them to, um, that's a big challenge for enterprises to sort through, you know, 30, 40 vendors and which ones are really offering true SD-WAN, whatever that yeah, may be. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's a, it's an incredibly crowded market. Um, and for enterprises to understand what platform to select for their network automation requirement um, becomes quite hard and standards are one way to facilitate them having that ability to differentiate and match up with what their objectives are, um, which are, um, if you would, um, you know, in terms of the digital transformation that is underway, is about re-engineering and transforming their IT and network operations mm -hmm. completely, right? It's um, it's where IT and network are suddenly uh, at the absolute center of mm -hmm. any enterprise's ability to execute, um, compete, succeed, or and I, I should say thrive in whatever it is that they do. So standards going back to that it become important in that sense. But I do want to stress that that doesn't mean that there is no room for differentiation. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's where innovation comes in. That's where the vision matters. Um, and I would say that, you know, what we started out to do at Nuage was, and how we crafted our vision for this was, we said we are going to solve for agility um, by delivering a network automation platform rather than a specific solution. Okay. In other words, we said, you know, we are, not only going to provide automation in the data center, but also in the wide area. Mm -hmm. So both end to end. And we formed a thesis, got the best team, put our heads down, applied our experience and our networking DNA. And uh, I would argue we've delivered industries only end to end network automation um, that relates to how um, SD-WAN solution should be fully uh, standards-based and works on brownfield and greenfield. Right. So you, you, you all aren't in the least bit, and I could see where startups would be bristling at the idea of uh, standardizing uh, SD-WAN. Uh, this is kind of a straw man argument, but I mean, they're, 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 they're worried that, well, if I have to conform to this particular standard and, you know, change my technology or that then they would end up changing a market advantage for them. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I think, like I said, standards based doesn't mean least common denominator. It doesn't right. mean that there is no ability or room for differentiation. In fact, far from it, we've done it, we've proved it once. Um, and, and we are doing it with time and now we are doing it again with nuage uh, in the way we have built our, network automation platform, um, it's truly leveraging all the standards protocols. It's leveraging the most modern uh, software tooling, if you will, but it's mm -hmm. delivering it 
and being true to the mission of uh, SDN, delivering it over a common uh, off-the-shelf uh, x86 platform rather than a proprietary branch router. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's um, let's uh, uh, pause really quick for a quick break. We've talked about this, uh, the importance of standards, how Nuage is, is involved in that, what it means to the market. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about the market, the SD-WAN market itself, uh, get your perspective on that. We'll discuss, uh, you know, whether customer uh, requirements have changed, and then maybe we can do a bit of forecasting and find out, uh, uh, not forward-looking statements, mind you, but forecasting and uh, predicting and finding out uh, what you think might be uh, um, ahead uh, in, in the in the coming months uh, for the SD-WAN market. Um all right, you're listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Our guest today uh, is Sunil Kandekar, uh, CEO of Nuage Networks, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, joined by Kelsey Zeiser, my colleague. Hello, Kelsey. Hey there, Phil. And our guest today is Nuage Network CEO, Sunil Kandakar. Hi, Sunil. Hi, Phil. Hi, Kelsey. Thanks so much for joining us again. And before the break, we were talking about standards in the SD-WAN market, but I want to uh, start this segment off by talking about how the market has changed and matured. Um, Nuage has been around since, let's see, you've been in the market now five, six years? Five years. Five years. Okay. So obviously the the market has exploded in terms of the number of competitors, um, but I'm curious about how, um, how the services around SD-WAN have matured and, and sort of what your, uh, you know, what what you've observed this whole time as you guys have been yeah. uh, have been at the forefront of this. Yeah, yeah, no, we've definitely been um, leading the charge and have uh, had a front seat. So we've seen it, um, you know, evolve quite substantially. Uh, initially, SD-WAN started um, as, as a way to solve the lack of automation in MPLS VPNs, um, and as well as... Uh, Enterprises looking at cost savings of using internet instead of mm-hmm. PLS. And so, right. if, if when the problem was um, sort of uh, presented as such, many vendors um, took a took that view and solved and provided a network automation platform to sort of cater for those needs. And the result, uh, in our opinion, was. Um, the first generation of SD-WAN, um, which we call as SD-WAN 1.0, which is a good incremental step um, in terms of delivering that automation of connecting branches together uh, and leveraging uh, internet uh, to deliver some cost savings. Um, but the fact is, and as I mentioned in the previous segment, um, to deliver on digital transformation, enterprises are you know, sort of re-engineering and transform, transforming their entire IT and network operations completely. And, and so now um, IT and network much more than ever has to align with the business needs, which means that IT and network has to be fully automated uh, in order to 
deliver agility and simplify operations. So more specifically, the top three enterprise IT needs are multi-cloud strategy, value-added service strategy, end-to-end security strategy, because security is obviously non-negotiable in today's environment. So the first generation of SD-WAN solutions or SD-WAN 1.0 had a bit of a narrow scope of automation and WAN connectivity of branches. While customers' needs have evolved, uh, especially around IT and network, and they're looking for seamless connectivity between branches uh, or from any branch to application in any cloud, private, public, SaaS cloud. And that means that there's been a shift from SD-WAN as being a cost savings tactic with some automation to being part of enterprises uh, digital transformation strategy. So that shift from branch um, to headquarters transport SD-WAN 1.0 to truly next gen end-to-end branch to cloud workload connectivity in a very secure way um, is really the big change that we have seen uh, and, and enterprises have embraced that completely in their digital transformation journey. Um, and we anticipated this and we built the network automation platform uh, considering this requirement. So it's nice to see the market evolve and us being able to um, you know, provide the solution to the enterprises needing that. Yeah, it's it is interesting how the the need uh, the markets evolved to meet the need, and it, I I do recall yeah it started out with uh, the need fulfilling the need of branch offices connecting those far off locations and making them feel like they were centralized. Um, that's interesting because usually um, as network problems go, it usually starts the other way around. It's usually solving some sort of centralized. Uh, IT or connectivity issue and then stretching out and, you know, seeing if you can replicate that. But I guess that's just kind of the magic of the internet is that once, once those branch offices were solved, um, the, uh, the economics almost demanded that the same solution be used everywhere else. Indeed. Indeed. And again, you know, with the ability for SD-WAN when it's done, with end-to-end network connectivity and network automation in mind, you get that secure slices that with a proper uh, engineered declarative policy-based engine, you can kind of almost make it, um, you know, connect to any place where the policy moves with the workload or policy moves with the branch user and always creates that secure, safe environment for enterprises to do their business um, in, in that environment, which is super important in, in, in today's construct. And uh, Sunil, do you have any thoughts on um, how the market for SD-WAN might change in 2020? It's crazy to think that 2020 is only like two months <laughs> away, <laughs> but um, yeah, really. we've been yeah. waiting so long for this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, do you no. have any thoughts on how things will change, how um, maybe customer demands might change further? And I know there's been a little bit of talk about how 5G might bring some additional um, transport advantages for SD-WAN as well. Yeah, um, 
you know, name the problem, SD WAN is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, you know, that's the hype, unfortunately, uh, that has been there, and hence the uh, earlier our discussion on how crowded the market is. Mm -hmm. But, but the fact is, SD WAN is truly transformational technology mm -hmm. when done done right. And what I see, so 2020, as you noted, is near term. Um, so what we are seeing uh, with, you know, over 75 service provider customers worldwide having adopted the Nuage Networks platform and providing services to hundreds and thousands of enterprises themselves, what we are seeing is now the requirements are shifting, and we anticipate this in 2020, uh, in terms of scale. So it's about not just connecting, you know, tens of branches together, but as the confidence in the technology has increased, it's about connecting thousands of branches together. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's then about enterprises wanting application visibility and simple dashboards for their less technical staff, if you will. Um, enterprises wanting self-service than self-managed. Um, and this is rather important point this is one big shift um, that we are seeing that SD-WAN started as a do-it-yourself um, sort of uh, by enterprises to service providers now offering this as a managed service, mm -hmm. but providing enterprises a self-service portal for them to change things, um, connect branches um, on demand or change their SLA on demand. And, and this is a big one, um, Kelsey and Phil, that we are seeing and we'll see more in 2020 because suddenly service providers start to see back, uh, getting back in the saddle from, you know, relegated to a connectivity provider to a provider of a service. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the reason is that, you know, the ability of enterprises to deal with underlay and overlay rather than have a single supplier provide that uh, to them. The ability to, you know, kind of do provisioning of new sites, uh, provide seamless cloud connectivity uh, and eliminate those stacks of appliances in each of the branches. The, it's better if the service provider does it, but what they absolutely want is the ability to have that self-service nature of the service and the dynamicity of that service. Okay, that's so kind of that co-managed approach. You got it. Yeah, indeed. Co-managed, but they're doing their own sort of on-demand connectivity. But at the end of the day, service provider is taking care of all the other uh, things in terms of underlay, overlay connectivity, mm -hmm. supply chain, uh, you know, dealing with faults and troubleshooting them, doing the correlation. That's where I guess the network automation comes into play here because, you know, from what you're saying, enterprise customers, they sort of want, want you know, they want both worlds. They want, they want the service to be um, really reliable and totally managed except for when they don't. <laughs> <laughs> still want yeah. someone they can call and say it's broken. Right. Well, they still, still want to be able to change things on the fly to sort of fit their business needs, yeah. you know? And, exactly. and so I guess that maybe presents its own set of challenges in the, in the automation department. 
it, it does. Um, there are, you know, that's where, again, the tooling of the service and what troubleshooting tools you provide, what sort of tools are in the NOC, what sort of uh, correlation, underlay, overlay correlation uh, capabilities are in, in the solution. All those things matter uh, and start to matter when, especially when the service starts to get deployed at scale for thousands of customers, where the service provider is managing it on their behalf and at the same time delivering that self-service uh, capability um, to the enterprises. Excellent. Well, um, thanks for the uh, the insights, and we do uh, look forward to uh, to seeing you at uh, at at MEF nineteen. We'll uh, uh, we'll be back in LA uh, at at that point, and uh, and and uh, yeah, thanks for giving us uh, you know a bit of uh, uh, a bit of clarity around uh, the evolution of the market and sort of why it is the way it is now and how Nuage is as uh, as is uh, rising up to meet the challenge there. Thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Our show notes are all available at lightreading.com. As a reminder, you can get the Light Reading Podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and dozens of other platforms and apps. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com.